Welcome to AUSA's Army Matters Podcast, focusing on what's important to the total Army community. We bring vital Army conversations and interviews on issues relevant to soldiers, military families, and all of you amazing Army supporters. Rotating each week, our show includes Soldier Today, Leading Great Teams, Family Voices, and Thought Leaders. Let's tune into the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Holly Daly, and welcome to the AUSA Army Matters Family Voices podcast. I am honored to be co-hosting our podcast today with the Association of the United States Army's Vice President of NCO and Soldier Programs and host of the Soldier Today podcast series, Sergeant Major of the Army Retired Dan Daly. Dan, thanks for co-hosting today's podcast with me. Well, Holly, it's always great to join the Family Voices team. And for our listeners out there, Soldier Today and Family Voices podcast are products of the Army Matters podcast series at the Association of the United States Army. Both Soldier Today and Family Voices focus on those topics that are relevant and needed by our soldiers and their families serving the regular Army, the Army National Guard, and the Army Reserve. Thanks, Dan. Dan and I are honored to welcome to our podcast today, Lieutenant General Jason Evans from Army's G9. Welcome, Lieutenant General Evans, and thank you for joining us today. Holly, it's really a privilege and it's great to be here. And first, let me thank you and SMA Daily for your lifelong commitment to soldiers and their families, as you did in the Army. And thank you for that continued commitment to our soldiers and their family and their quality of life in your AUSA capacity. Well, thank you, sir. We're honored and privileged to be soldiers for life. And we want to thank you for your incredible service, but most of all, for what you do for our families. And it's great for our listeners to hear about some of that today. To get started, would you mind telling our listeners a bit about yourself? Thanks, Holly. And as it would be for a lot of our service members and their families, my wife and I, we've simply had a lifelong commitment to the military. I grew up as an Air Force dependent, as my wife did, and that's where we met, off at Air Force Base in Nebraska a long time ago. And so we've got three kids and four grandchildren. So we've lived around the world, and we see it as in the Army, we've done it a second time. We've been on Air Force installations and Army installations, and we've experienced youth sports, youth services, CDCs, teen clubs, and all the clubs back in the day when they had the enlisted and officers clubs. And so we've had the full experience of what installations provide in terms of quality of life. So I'm really ecstatic about the opportunity to be here today. For our listeners who are not familiar with what you do in the G9 and what the G9's mission is. Can you give us some background information and what is included in the G9 portfolio? Sure. Really, G9, formerly known as Assistant Chief of Staff of Installation Management, and so really not much changed in terms of the mission of the G9 versus what was done in AXM. So back in 2018, then the Army senior leaders implemented the installation enterprise reform, which essentially put Army Material Command, a four-star headquarters, in charge of MCOM, Installation Management Command, where I've had the opportunity to serve as a one-star, and I had an opportunity to be a garrison commander at the colonel level. What that really meant is relationships changed a little bit. We didn't go directly to MCOM. So our primary interface is with Army Material Command as we work through quality of life issues. And really the DCSG-9, we have a wide breadth of things we're responsible for. We do have a soldier and family readiness program or directorate, which we really converted to the quality of life task force. And I'll talk a little bit about that later on as I go through 
what the rest of the G9 does. We have an installation services directorate, which is headed by an SES tier two, and they have an environmental division. We're responsible for the 26 BRAC installations. We have an army housing division. We have a logistics and service division that includes things like NTVs and landfills and wildfire prevention. And we have a resource integration directorate, which is the directorate that is responsible for the programming plan and execution of the budget. And we have about a $17, $18 billion budget that covers all things installation. And we have an information technology directorate that really oversees about 121 business systems that support installations around the world. And then we have an operations directorate, which is kind of a catch-all. They do construction integration. That's where the Army construction standards are for any infrastructure in the Army. That policy is promulgated out of there. Real property asset management is done there, as well as joint basing. We kind of do the joint basing rules out of there. And we also work the energy and facilities engineering. So energy saving programs that you may have heard about on installations or privatization, we work the policy for that which brings us to the Quality Life Task Force, which we converted as a result of the chief of staff of the Army when he did his transition assessment as the chief. He went out to the Army and assessed what people were looking for, what people needed, what did they not have, what did they need more of in terms of quality of life. And by talking to spouses and soldiers at every rank, it culminated into five priorities at the time, which were housing, health care, child care, spouse employment and permanent change of station, which eventually turned into a quality life task force that the Army senior leaders asked the G9 to lead. And we lead that with the rest of the staff directorates across the Army and the Army commands across the Army. D guys does a fabulous job of facilitating that. And so you have the entire Army enterprise working these priorities. And then as that task force stood up, We assumed another priority, the sixth priority, which would be support and resilience, and that really focused on installations that required additional support or to speed up the policy process of getting something approved that we need to help better their quality of life. And those installations right now would be Fort Wainwright, Fort Irwin, Fort Polk, and Fort Hood. Sir, thanks for that great rundown. It's obviously a lot of things to do in the G9 portfolio and a lot of important things for our families that... uh, I know they're very eager to hear about. And when you talked about, which is so special to me, that you grew up having been a benefactor of some of the great initiatives that the military provides for their families. Can you talk about some of the specific initiatives under the Army's Quality of Life Task Force that our families will see or are seeing right now? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll start with the, the priorities and I'll start with housing. Uh, as you know, we were going through a housing crisis back in 2018. And as a result of that, that was the number one priority of the Quality Life Task Force. And so since then, we've had markedly improved service and maintenance of housing. We had an annual Army tenant survey last year and showed improvement. We just closed out this year's survey. We've implemented all 18 of the Tenant Bill of Rights on all 44 privatized housing installations. We conduct 100% change of occupancy inspections as well as 100% inspection on all life, health, and safety work orders. We continue to hold ourselves accountable as well as the privatized partners accountable. We've hired additional personnel for government oversight of privatized and government housing. We've got investments on the horizon for both privatized and government housing. We are planning about a $1.5 billion investment for Army-owned housing, and the partners have about a $3 billion investment for privatized housing and single soldier barracks, which we include in that, 
housing. We've got about, over the next 10 years, about a $9 billion investment for single soldier barracks. The next one would be healthcare. You know, as you know, the OTSG, General Dingle, has done a great job of monitoring the healthcare as it transitions over to DHA. There's been an expansion of virtual healthcare for primary, specialty, and preventive care, especially during COVID. They've launched the COVID-19 information hotline. And then under child care, we continue to operate child care and school-age care in the COVID environment. And we're constantly working on how we can increase the capacity of child care particularly in those areas of the National Capital Region, Hawaii, Alaska, and JBLM, where you have high wait list. Spouse employment, if you want to retain a soldier, you got to retain a family. And so spouses nowadays have accreditations uh, and professional licensing, and they have careers. And so I think we're right about it. 46 states now, you know, have professional licensing, they recognize the professional licensing and accreditations for spouses. And we're still endeavoring to make sure we can get the reciprocity and get all states on board there. But while that happens, we reimburse uh, spouses for their licensing up to $1,000 for the cost of them having to renew their licensing. We've also sped up or streamlined, if you will, the home-based business application process, normally done now within about 60 days. And then permanent change of station. We continue to improve that process. Transcom is in the process of hiring a new contractor. One of the things that we've done that I believe has helped out the families and soldiers is we now still are paying 100% for personally procured moves, which is formerly known as a Diddy move. And we're now issuing orders from HRC at least 120 days out uh, so that we can improve the planning process for families. And then, you know, under support and resilience, I talked about those installations that may need additional resources or support because of their geographical location or environmental conditions that they have. Alaska, we have an assignment incentive pay that's been approved for families that go over there that uh, help them prepare for the environment in winter. And recently, an assignment incentive pay was approved for Fort Irwin. As you know, it's isolated out there. And so there's an incentive pay to make sure that we get the right kinds of soldiers out there to Fort Irwin. Other than that, that's really the rundown of the six priorities that we're working on now. We constantly work on one of the great things about the Quality Life Task Force is we get to iterate with Army senior leaders. So we really get to have speed of change because when we brief the Army senior leaders, we can get a decision then on what quality of life initiative that requires approval at the Army senior leaders, and then we can follow it up with the written policy later. So this has really been a fantastic way to move change at speed. You mentioned childcare, and we know this is an important issue for our families. April is the month of the military child. Can you give us an update on the child youth and school services? Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely correct, Holly. It is critical because you have over 80% of soldiers in the Army that, that have families or have children. And so it's imperative that we have Childcare, And so the Army does a great job of providing it. It's really a multi-pronged strategy that we look at in terms of, of how to increase the capacity of child care. And that is focusing on incentives and retention for the staff. We do have challenges with maintaining staff. So there's a focus there uh, by MCOM and the installations to incentivize staff. They have the assignment eligibility, uh, the assignment eligibility uh, tool where 
it is much easier to transfer that that staff from one installation to the next without having to go through the entire processing and, and background checks all over again through that system. If they're in that system, they can transfer to an installation and with relatively ease start working again in the child care space. We have the Army Fee Assistance Program. The Army has the highest uh, provider cap in the Department of Defense. So one of the good things is, is that in FY23, that cap will increase from 1,500 to 1,700. And last year, just before we had COVID, we had over 10,000 family members that participated in that. We're trying to increase the family child care at home, FCCs. Presently, we have about 150, 151 that participate in that. We're trying to increase that to 251, and we incentivize uh, that as well. Those that get in that program can be incentivized by $1,000, and those that will PCS and stay in that program, they can be incentivized to stay in that program for $1,000. We're also participating in a two-year DOD pilot in Maryland and Virginia to increase the number of accredited care providers on the outside. The Army has a, a higher accreditation rate than we do on the outside. We normally maintain about a 96% accreditation rate where it's uh, much lower on the outside. So there's, this pilot is to help providers on the outside come up to the Army standards so we can in, increase capacity uh, that way. Over the next till FY26, there's about nine CDCs in the works for military construction to build nine CDCs. Two will be underway in terms of awarding a contract in Hawaii where we have a high wait list. Those contracts are expected to be let in late April, uh, early May. Well, sir, it sounds like there's some incredible effort and energy and most importantly, resources going into taking care of our soldiers and their families, especially our children. And, you know, I've always said we recruit soldiers, but we retain families. And this is what helps us retain our great Army families. We're going to take a quick break and we'll get back to the next topic in just a moment. Did you know, as a member of AUSA, you have access to many benefits. From car rental to entertainment discounts, the opportunities are ample. Visit AUSA.org benefits to learn more. Sir, specifically, some of our children, our, our military children, are part of what is called the Exceptional Family Member Program, or EFMP for short. What is the new EEFMP, and how does this new system come about? Yeah, and, uh, SMA, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, your previous comments, you know, uh, I, I think when it comes to the Army and the audio and video in terms of people first, uh, that's absolutely um, what the, the Army is, is achieving here uh, with the quality of life uh, effort is putting people first. And to your question about the EFMP, the Enterprise Exceptional Family Member Program, what that is is really what we did is we took a step back a, about a year ago and did a rapid improvement event where we did a top-down review of the EFMP program. And so it's not just about the technology, but it was about do we have the policy and procedures and business processes right at Echelon. And we found out that there were some things that we could improve in terms of policy and business processes and procedures at Echelon, because as you know, you have MCOM, you have MedCom, you have HRC all involved in making this work. So what really kind of ties it all together in its own ecosystem is really the EFMP enterprise. And that's really the technology that we've been able to go out to private industry so that we can have all of those entities 
and as well as, and more importantly, our customers, which are the soldiers and families, because the current technology we have now really helps the institution to process. There's no way for a soldier or family to even upload a EFMP application that they may have signed or the company paperwork. But this system will allow them to renew, to digitally sign and track uh, their EFMP application on their computer or on their phone because it's not just an app. It's a website as well. It'll be interoperable with other HR data systems, and eventually it will be interoperable with IPSE. And so this process will allow soldiers and it would allow the enterprise, it would allow the Army to better see itself. We'll be able to see where an individual is in the process, where their application is in the process. They'll be able to see where it's in the process. It's secure. It's going to use DSN logon, so it's got multi-factor authentication, which is really the, the standard that Department of Army is using. It will have 24-7 access. It will have cloud storage. And so uh, you won't have really the duplication of effort. You won't have families making phone calls and trying to find out where their paperwork is or carrying the paperwork around with them. I had two FMPs uh, when I was in, and it was a laborious process um, by the time uh, you got all the paperwork together and you were carrying it around. All of that will be resonant inside of this application. So we think this will really help streamline the process, really help us see ourselves. We'll be able to even manage those cases that uh, are more complex, which I think will help us get left of the assignment cycle. We can identify those that are really uh, multi with multiple EFMPs or critical EFMPs. Uh, we'll be able to get to the left and working assignments for them. Yes, sir. I know our EFMP families are probably excited about this because we all know um, it, it's been a great program. It does exactly what it's supposed to do, take care of our exceptional family member programs. But it needed an update, and it needed a digital uh, system to help get it going. So I'm going to ask the question that I know soldiers are going to ask you as you travel around. When's it going to be available, sir? Yeah, great question, SMA. So by the end of this month, if you're in CONUS, you will be able to start using the process. That'll be phase one. We're looking at uh, OCONUS because we're still mapping out some requirements because OCONUS, the steps can be more complex and different than what you do in CONUS. But you know, we've been running a pilot, and we've got well over a 1,000 people in the pilot, and every month we have about 120 more that join in the pilot. So by the end of this month, if you're in CONUS, you can begin to log in and use and fill out your application and monitor it in this system. Yes, sir. Before we move on, I just got to ask one more, because I know this is very important for our EFMP families. So you said you had about 1,000 in the pilot now. What's some of the feedback you're getting? How are the families embracing this new system? Great. We're getting great feedback because they now, the customer is participating in the process and they're participating at speed and in real time. They are able to update and fill out and sign an application in the process instead of doing it on paper. Prior to this, even if you filled out the paperwork and you signed it and updated it, there was no way to even upload it. We couldn't even upload it in the current system. So now, all of that is done inside the system, and you can see your paperwork as it moves through the process. And, of course, they've been able to give us uh, feedback on how we can make it better. Well, that's excellent, sir, and I know it's going to be a well-received program. 
So shifting gears, and hopefully you have time. I know our listeners know that you're busy based upon the portfolio that you laid out in the beginning of our podcast. But I got to ask the question for our troops out there. One of the big things for me when I was the SMA was all about MWR or morale, welfare, and recreation. Can you give our listeners any updates on any initiatives we're doing in the MWR program? Well, from a strategic standpoint, uh, I'll give you this. And so as part of the People First Task Force, uh, right now we're doing a, a strategic prevention portfolio. And really, that prevention portfolio is looking at, you know, those things that help us prevent harmful behaviors. And so, for example, suicide, substance abuse, domestic violence, and sexual assault, sex, sexual harassment. And so we're doing an Army-wide prevention portfolio assessment. And that will also include uh, many of those programs. And SMA, you're familiar with the uh, Better Opportunities for Single Soldiers Boss and the Army uh, Family Team Building, Military One Source, Employee Assistance. And we're looking at an assessment of the efficacy of the program. Is there redundancy of the program? Is the program working as intended? And so that's one thing we're excited about as we will feed that data back in to Army senior leaders and the People First Task Force. Uh, but that is what we're doing in, in the MWR space. And as a result of that, there may be some changes in, in programs in terms of uh, policy and or policy integration. Well, thank you, sir, for that update. We know your time is short, sir, because you got so much to do for our great families and soldiers out there. I just want to tell you from all of us here at the Association of the United States Army, we thank you and your entire team for all you do in front and behind the scenes for our for our families. We've enjoyed our discussion today with you, sir. And before we wrap up today's podcast, we'd like to provide you the opportunity to provide our listeners with any final thoughts. Hey, SMA and, and Holly, it's always great to talk to with both of you and honored to be here serving our soldiers and their families uh, and appreciate what AUSA does. And I appreciate your commitment to this endeavor. You know, we couldn't do this without you. This podcast is one way that you are helping the Army get the word out about important quality of life programs. It's, it's an honor for me to be here to do this for our soldiers and families. And uh, it really is all about people and uh, winning and the Army being strong. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Lieutenant General Evans, Army G9, taking care of our soldiers and families every single day. We've enjoyed our discussion today, and our time has come to an end to close this edition of Army Matters Podcast. All of us here at the Association of the United States Army want to thank Lieutenant General Evans and his entire team, but most importantly, for joining us today, sharing his story, and giving us this important update on these quality of life initiatives for our soldiers and their families. Holly? Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Lieutenant General Evans. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode, and thank you for joining us. If you would like to check out more on G9's programs and resources, you can go to DCS g9.army.mil. Remember, no matter where you are or what you're doing on your journey, let us here at the AUSA Family Readiness and NCO and Soldier Programs be your eyes, ears, and voice. We are here for you. And tune in next week for another great podcast. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters Podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army. 
our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at ausa.org. Have a great Army Day. Hua.